Welcome to this podcast from the Bay Church. We hope you're blessed by the message. To find out more, please visit our website at www.the-bay-church.org.uk. Well, I'm going to take this session, and in many ways, Gordon landed it perfectly for me, and I'm going to call it Breaking the Sound Barrier. Breaking the sound barrier. I wonder how many of you would say in your life, in your world right now, you have that sense in your life that you're being told, shut up, be silent. I'm not interested in what you're thinking, just shut up. And no one even has to actually say it to you, but you feel it. How many would say you're just aware of that downsize? And Gordon started the first part of today with, come on, let's open up and get confident in talking to God. And he covered very quickly but adequately, he did an amazing job, thank you Gordon, on that whole thing of let's open up and pray. Let's be little children with our daddy. Daddy, I really know you love me, here's my voice, I might not get it right, but daddy, daddy, please hear me. And then, God, I really, it matters to me, I'm standing in the gap, please God, will you hear my cry? And then God, And you were very good at the cry of indignation. But I think that's almost because in our nation at this time, there is that stirring. I cannot believe it. Stop it. It's enough now. And that cry of indignation that stands and it decrees, no, this has got to stop. And then finally, I am a son. If I'm a son and this is my kingdom, am I stewarding it well? And so we finished there. How am I doing? So I'm going to speak about breaking the sound barrier. God has really begun to speak to me about we need to be voices of influence. And it is time to speak and not be silent. And unfortunately, too often the church hasn't found its right sound. And the culture has said, come on, your passion, your hunger, God, Jesus, is really not acceptable. And all the religious spirits around us just scream, shut up. Nobody wants to hear you. And so almost without realizing it, we have carried this slight sense of shame. And so we we apologize before we speak. I'm sorry, but I am. Um, I'm not sure. And, And so we've got to get rid of that sound of apology. You know, it says, I'm not ashamed. But actually, so many of us work almost slightly from this platform. I feel a bit embarrassed now, but, but, but. So how do we deal with that atmosphere? And I believe that God wants us, next slide please, to break that insecurity and find our voice again. And so maybe if I'm giving you some homework, where are you feeling that insecurity? Where is that insecurity? You know, just think about it. Where do I find myself hesitating or apologizing before just speaking? Why am I doing that? What is almost that cultural shift that's going on in my head? Because I am not ashamed, but yet I'm acting ashamed. <laughs> what is that about? So I think Second Samuel verse 14, um, chapter 14, verse 28, is mostly one of the saddest verses in Scripture. And if you read it with me, one, two, three. So Absalom lived two full years in Jerusalem without coming into the king's presence. And so here's Absalom, the king's son, 
that should have right of access, but he knows he hasn't made the best life choices. So because of the insecurity of his relationship and his poor life choices, he actually is still in Jerusalem, which is the capital. It is the, if you like, the picture of the church. He's in the community, but he's never in the presence. Because literally, he never came to see the king's face to face. And unfortunately, we have got quite good in England and Britain to develop church cultures, Christian cultures, where we create community, but we don't create presence. And so we can live in Jerusalem for, you know, two, three, four full years. I have the privilege of traveling all over this nation. And again and again, on Sundays, I'll give an altar call. Always will. Just ask people, do you really know Jesus? And I will have people say, oh, but they've been in the church for years. I was in one church recently where they do the Alpha course. And the cook of the Alpha course came forward crying. This precious man in his 40s giving his life to the Lord. And the pastor said, oh, he doesn't understand. I said, oh, he totally understands. I said, you don't get a 40-something-year-old man standing at the front of the church, bawling his eyes out. So I chatted to him with the pastor, and he said, I didn't, I, he said, I've waited, because I didn't know how you actually gave your life to God. I knew I was sort of all around, and he said, I've done Alpha. He said, well, why have you done Alpha? He said, because I love the community. I love the family, and I did the course twice, and the only way to keep coming was to now do the cooking and to volunteer. But he said, I never understood how to find God for myself. I No one really explained. You see, all over our nation, we've got lots of God-fearing people who are not God-knowing, who live. How many of you know that? There are loads of people who know about God, like even being around God, but they haven't yet come into a face-to-face presence where they know in their knower that they know. I live with a sense of the presence of Jesus. So we can be in church and we can worship. How many of you know that's even true of your life? You've had times when you've done the community thing, but God has been quite a long way away. And we've got to come. We cannot let that Absalom spirit come. We've got to be genuine Davidic hearts, those that know his face. So Song of Songs 2 verse 14, in a sense I touched it at the end of that session. Oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in those crannies of the cliff. Come on, let me see your face. Let me hear your face and voice. You see, God wants to see your face, and he wants to hear your, he wants to see your, and he wants to hear your. And then it's interesting, he re- He actually reverts the order. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. He says, come on, let me see. Let me hear your voice. Wow, your voice. Wow, your voice. Thank you, you're speaking. Wow, your voice. God wants more than your face. And so often we get so caught up in the face-to-face, God wants my face. You know, but God is like, wow, your voice. Come on, Britain, your voice. Come on, Bay Church, your voice. What is your voice? Wow. It's not just enough to be face to face. He's saying, I want to hear your voice. And so I believe that God is saying we need to speak the right thing at the right time. How many of you know the church is a little bit good at foot and mouth disease? We're very good at putting our foot in it. 
And I really feel at this time, yes, we pray and then we speak. The hand of the Lord is on me and the word of the Lord comes through me. So prayer isn't just about me speaking to God. When I increase my time of prayer, God the Father, you look like it today, and I come to God in prayer, then God actually puts his hand on me. The hand of the Lord comes on me. Then the word of the Lord comes through me. And so when I approach God, that's prayer. But in the conversation of prayer, God speaks to me. That is revelation. And so how do we become a prophetic speaking people? Well, we become a praying people because unless I talk to God, how can I talk on behalf of God to the people? But so many people say, I want to be prophetic. And I say, well, how's your prayer life? They say, I find, I, I don't really, I'm not into prayer. And I say, well, you can never be into the prophetic. Because unless I talk to God, God can't talk to me. And how can I talk to the people? So increased prayer brings increased revelation. And so God is drawing us in. So it's time to speak the right thing in the right time. Ecclesiastes 3, 7 says this. There is a time to, you have to preach with me, you've had coffee, no excuses. One, two, three, a time to, be silent. A time to, a time to, a time to. So I want you to think in your life, in your world, how often are you silent and afterwards you think, ah, should have spoken. And how many times do you speak and think, I wish I'd shut up? <laughs> That's more my one. And actually, there lies the grace of the challenge we have to be a prophetic people. It's timing issues. There is a time. And so often we feel this incredible, I've got to speak, I've got to get in there, and we, then we mess it up and think, I wish I'd shut up. Or it's all very silent and think, that was my opportunity, that was my opportunity. God, I wish I'd had courage. Isn't that true? So I want you just to put your hands to heaven just for a moment and say, Father, help me get my timing right. I ask you now, skill me in the time to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Because I believe one of the, the incredible weapons of the enemy is to humiliate, embarrass us because we say the wrong thing at the wrong time. We think, ooh, that was so embarrassing. Never do that again. Anyone said that to yourself? So we need to break those vows that say, never going to do that again. Got it wrong. I just got humiliated. Because I really do believe that God is going to give us the time to speak. All through the British culture, silence is taken as consensus of agreement. Isn't that true? There's something in the British. So if you say nothing, you're agreeing. And somehow we need to break that, but do it graciously. And so God wants to upgrade our communication skills. I really believe he's going to upgrade our communication skills so that we can get over all that humiliation and embarrassment. And what's going to help us speak well? Perspective. Perspective. I wonder if you can see the big picture. 
Many of us have what I call chicken mentality. We've got our heads so close to the ground, we're peck, peck, peck. We're just getting enough for today, peck, 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 peck. And we never take a moment to have eagle mentality, where we actually withdraw, get the big picture. And we've let life shrink us down into peck, peck, peck. If I just make enough money, it's sort of, you know, typical Matthew 6, 7. Do not worry about today. If you've got enough to wear, who has a pension doing Brexit, we say the B word. And that's all we can think about. But if we really are going to be the people who speak the right thing at the right time, we need to have big perspective. That's what Gordon was saying. We need to pray with faith. We need to see with faith. Can you see the God picture? For your marriage? Can you see the God picture? Can you still hold the words and the promises of God? So when you're praying, you're not praying about this evil person who just really irritates. You can see a bigger picture of the potential in their life. Can you see the eagle plan or the chicken plan? Where are you looking? Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 says this. Revelation chapter 4 verse 1. And after this, after what? If you read Revelation 1 to 3, it's after an assessment and an audit of the churches, which weren't all doing so great. There was good news and bad news. How many of you, if you look at our nation, could give it an audit that's not all brilliant? So after all this good news and bad news, after all this contestation, fighting, failure, mess, after this, what did I do? I looked. Where? I looked up, <laughs> and there before me was standing open a door in heaven. I wonder what's going on in your world. And if you've got chicken mentality or eagle mentality, come on, God wants to give you perspective. After all this mess, I looked up. Come on, look up. Right in your spirit right now, look up. Look out of the mess. Look out of all the stuff, all the contestation. After all of this, I looked up and I saw a door open. Come on. God is the God of Alpha and Omega. God is the God of beginnings and endings. God is the God who opens doors and God is the God who shuts doors and every shut door gives you the opportunity of another open door. Isn't that true? When a door closes, God opens. So don't keep living in that shut door. And after all of this, I looked up and I saw an open door. I really believe God wants to prophesy that over some of you. You have been in an omega season where doors have been shutting. Jesus, we're coming into resurrection or Easter. Is, is Easter the shut door or the open door? But it starts with a shut door. It starts with, I'm the God of omega, the God who finishes death, destruction, the grave. And it finishes with the God of Alpha, the God who opens the grave, and we have a resurrection life. Do you get what I mean? And we like in our Greek thinking, going from Alpha to Omega. But actually, a lot of life goes from Omega to Alpha. Do you get what I'm saying? And most Christians are really bad at handling Friday in the grave to Sunday resurrection. 
God has shut some doors, not because it's finished, but because it's finished to give you an opportunity. What's your perspective? And after this, I stood up and I saw a door open in heaven. And I heard a voice speaking to me like a, oh, come on, how does a trumpet sound? Like a, like a, exactly, like a trumpet. There's no violin. You see, I really do believe this is trumpet sound. This is a prophetic time. This is a time, wake up, rise up, hello. Trumpet is the revale call of the army. Do, 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 wake up. It's not the lullaby. Wake it up, wake it up. And after this, I heard a voice like a trumpet. Why? Because we'll very easily get it wrong. We'll get distracted. So the trumpet sounds through all the other sounds to catch your attention. And what's he saying? Come up here and I will show you what must take place. And I really believe that if Gordon and I have driven, I don't know how much it was, five hours, what Oxford, a few people here on this Saturday, it's to say, come on, wake up. Wake up. Rise up. Trumpet call. It's time. You know, what is the word in the land of the northeast? You know, don't let the chickens peck at it. Come on, let the eagles get a new perspective. Let there be some new decrees, some new announcements. What does God want to do in this place? What does he want to do for you? He wants to shift perspective. Brexit. And most of us got to go, oh, Jesus, deliver us. But I think we have got to get above Brexit and see what is Jesus wanting to do in our land. Because if we become ostriches, we're really stupid because I believe God is asking the church to fashion a new season. Because whatever happens, we are at a totally new juncture. How many agree? The whole of our political life, everything has been shaken, whether you remain or leave. We're beyond all that now. We are in a very critical state for our nation. And we need to get, get be eagles that see a bigger plan. Now I'll be born. In our house, Gordon was immediately, leave. I was remain. I said, ha ha, 50-50, no difference. Let's move on. <laughs> and then God spoke to me very close to me. He said, well, you haven't really prayed about it, Rachel. And I said, but I'm a prophetic girl and I love the nations. You see, I grew up in India. I'm a Mish kid and a preacher's kid. Grew up in India. At the age of 23, we went to Africa and worked with Reinhard Bonker while I was 23. You are beautiful. I took one look and I said, you can see the Scandinavian in that, can't you? <laughs> and we went to Africa. So I, I didn't live in England until I was 30, and I've always traveled the nations. And I believe that this nation has such a redemptive call to Europe. So when I saw Brexit, I want to say we need to break some of the curses and even some of the media. We are not leaving Europe. We are leaving a European institution and a governmental. So we need to be careful of our language. I do not believe Britain will ever leave Europe. We have a mandate to Europe. We have a prophetic responsibility to serve Europe. Europe is our mission field. We need to get in there, preach the gospel. God has said again and again, Jean Darnell prophecy, word and spirit prophecy, right from Smith Wigglesworth in this area, all talk about the power of God falling on this nation and that we become stewards and couriers of it into Europe. So we cannot leave Europe 
but we can leave wrong institutions and governmental control. And so I believe there's a disconnect to reconnect, to realign, to steward the presence of God. So I did vote leave. And I take it thing and I get the hate mail and I don't care. But because God spoke to me, I did not vote politically at all. But God spoke to me that he wanted to do something politically to disconnect. I find it very interesting. They've now moved it to October the 31st. It depends on your theology. It's Halloween trick or treat. Or if your church history, it's Reformation Day. Come on, let's reform. But I feel we need to pray. We need to engage. We need to look into heaven. We need to ask God to do something more. We must get every political spirit out. We must pray for the reforming of Britain. Whatever happens, however it looks, Gerard Cooper gave a prophetic word from Hull. How many know, dear Gerard? A little while ago and just said, God woke me up and spoke to me that the Brexit is going to be very messy. It's like we're walking through dark woods and it's going to feel overwhelming. But God says it will be all right in the end, but not how we think. And I think, oh, thank you, Jesus. God's got this. Come on, say something. God's got this. God's got our nation. We need a bigger perspective. I do not believe that Brexit has called racism and division in our nation. Why? Because it doesn't have the power in itself. It's spirits behind. It's what Gordon's taught. We have an open field. But spiritual powers can manipulate situations if we let them. Brexit itself can't, but if we allow division, rancor, difficulty in our hearts, and some of the stuff that's going on in the church is despicable. Some of the stuff, this is mama bear now, on social media and thing is outrageous. Come on, church, let's grow up. If we can't speak hope, there's a time to speak, there's a time to... And we're meant to be the voice of Jesus. What would Jesus be sounding like right now? And I really think we have an incredible opportunity. Bang! A door has shut. But what's going to open? What are we going to decree? What are we going to pray? This is the time to speak in Jesus' name. So the next one is speak to the answers, not to the issues. Speak to the answers. Don't you believe that's what the church is called to do? We can discuss the politics, the problems, the things endlessly. But we have given the words of life. We have been given the keys. So I believe part of the prophetic mantle on the church at this time is to speak to the answers. I was doing one of these Q&A um, panels recently of this interview, and we were a mixed um, sort of background. I was the Christian there, all sorts of people. And this guy leant across and said, okay, Rachel, what do you believe about gay sex? He says, what do you think about it? And I thought, yeah, great, go straight for me. He said, so what do you think about gay sex? And I looked at it and I said, that's a really interesting question to ask me. So he said, yeah, I want to know you're a Christian, this thing. What do you think about gay sex? I said, do you know the truth? I don't think about it. And he just looked at me and he said, no, 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 what do you think about it? I said, no, you don't understand. I just don't. I have never thought about gay sex. I said, I've been married to Gordon for 38 years. I think about straight sex. I don't think about gay sex. I'm sorry, I'm not much help to you. 
And so he tried again, but by now he already knew because everyone was laughing like you were laughing because we're here. And he knew he'd lost it. And I said, come on, well, let's, let's get another subject. There's other subjects in life about gay sex. And I said, you're obviously interested in it, so why don't you talk about gay sex? I'll talk about straight sex, and then we can be happy. And he said, okay, let's talk something. I said, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> but all I'm trying, you know, in the end... Part of me was just bored of it. I just said, so here we go again. It's so cliche. Trap the Christian speaker and trip her up. Unfortunately, he used the word, what do you think? And I thought, I don't think. I've got a way out. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but we need to begin to speak to the answers. And actually, we had a great time because he had realized I'd sized him up. He'd sized me up. We'd had a bit of a laugh. It hadn't been too confrontational. And we got through and we had a good time. But I, come on. How many believe we can speak to the answers? Let's ask Jesus to give us grace to be that prophetic voice of hope, kindness, truth, life. You know, what's coming out of your mouth? Are you speaking life and hope and future? You know, about Brexit, about the nation, about the government, about all things. We need to learn the sound of affirmation again. How many believe that that prophetic voice of God is a sound of affirmation? It builds up. It doesn't tear down. It gives strength and comfort, encouragement. Isn't that what it says? And when you prophesy, edify, to build up, make strong, encourage growth, comfort, strengthen. So every time we open our mouths, we have a mandate to speak life. Not, oh, I'm in my prophetic mode, I'm in the church now, I'm going to prophesy. No, I am a carrier of the words of life. I am, like Jesus, prophet, priest, and king. Everywhere I go, I have the power to bring life. And we need to begin to change the way we think. I love street pastors when we were in Watford and watching the way the street pastors just begin to change the whole vibrancy. Because the police just love what we can do because they can't do that. <laughs> but we can come alongside and give hope and comfort and counsel and speak life and speak to their better beings. I remember when Gordon and I first moved to Oxford. We moved to Oxford in 2005. We lived in Watford, now Oxford. So there's something about Fords. Um, but we moved to Oxford and I remember just walking down some of the back lanes and watching all the fresher students because we were there just at the beginning of the school term and thinking, these are going to be the CEOs, the attorneys, the, the, the brains of our world. And as they were drunk and falling over and in the gutter and just being horrified and thinking, these are someone's kids. And I remember saying to Gordon a couple of times, come on, we're mum and dad, let's rescue them, grabbing kids as they were about to end up losing their virginity in the back of some big rubbish dumpster. And you think, they have not got the slightest clue what they're doing. Come on, sweetie, come with me. Gordon, you grab the guy, I think, they haven't got a clue. I'm just loving them. I'm saying, you're worth more than this, sweetheart. Come on, we can help you. We need to be mothers and fathers and speak like those who nurture, care, sustain. And I believe if ever there is a time when our society is looking for people to give them help, is now. I've never seen England so open to, to speak Jesus. It's not difficult to lead people to Jesus. It really is not at the moment. If you are ready to talk to people, they come easy. 
And I'm, to, I'm talking as someone who does it. We do it. We've, we're in a church which does it, that's out there. If I have preached a whole year, but I haven't seen someone come to the Lord, who am I? What am I doing? Where is my life? I've got to bring people to Jesus. There's nothing more exciting than baptizing people, seeing them say, I've found Jesus. And it's nothing more exciting than having the mess of new babies that don't know how to do it. You know, we've got um, Gordon works with, uh, we call it the bumping team at, at Hillsong because we take over the Odeon Theatre. And so all the lads come together to bump it in and build up the Odeon Theatre. Well, there's two runners. Oxford boys are out running early, 6, 6.30, that's when they're there. And they began to see these guys having such a great time. So they stopped their run to help them bump in. What are you doing? They then began to do it every week. Because actually, there was such a community of the boys coming together, bumping in, setting up the odium for church, having breakfast there, and then they'd go off on their run. Finally, they came in. One of them came in, didn't he? Yeah, but one came in first. They, didn't come, they came in separately, didn't they? But they're both saved now. But the one, one came in. He came in. He just stood the worship camp, just bawled with tears. He said, what in the world is this? He said, this is what you've been doing. You're crazy anyway. He got saved. His friend got saved. And then we had, because we had the Costa coffee in front of our Odeon Theatre. The manager of this was so fascinated at the way we did church. He volunteered to come as a volunteer with all the men, because he watched how they had fun, to come and serve at the Colour Conference. Anyone been to Colour Conference in London as a girl? Well, this guy, Costa Coffee manager, totally unsaved, volunteered to come with all the Oxford blokes to come down and serve. Just down the Of course... We then snuck him into the meeting. Here he is, guy and thing, totally devastated by God. Gets born again, sobbed his whole way through. <laughs> he sobbed, 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 sobbed his whole way through. Then a few weeks later, and this Costa Coffee in the Odeon in Oxford was the rubbish one, had the lowest franchise rating. Well, we moved in, we changed the atmosphere, began to infect the thing. We now are the number one franchise Costa Coffee of Oxford. He then gets promoted. So then he comes into our team meeting, because we meet before. He said, I've just resigned. We go, no, seriously, no. He said, I've just resigned. I've got a new job. He said, why have you done that? He said, because I want to come to church. I don't just want to be in the manager anymore. So he resigns, comes to church. He's in our church every day. So we get the new manager. Gordon was then away. Didn't realize we've now got a new manager or who he was. We knew we got a new manager. Didn't know who he was. So they just told, go see this man and do whatever he tells you. It'll help your thing. So this dear Gordon doesn't realize he's not a Hillsong guy, that he's the new Costa manager. So he gives them all the cards and he says, now this is the whole auditorium. What we do is we pray over every seat. We ask God to bless them. <laughs> you take, you take the, the welcome card, you put it in the cup holder because we already got all the cup holders of the popcorn. Put it in the cup holder and welcome everyone and pray that they'll be welcome. Bless this guy, he does the whole auditorium. And what are we? Five, six hundred seats with a balcony. He's done the whole thing. And he's thinking, God, you have to do a lot to set up. But he just does it. Well, he gets saved. How many weeks was it? I think it was less than three months. He gets born again. He's saying, come on, that's why we're alive. That's why we're alive. To reverse the curse, change it. We're going to start speaking to answers. 
and stop always speaking issues. We get so political. How many of you know we can get so political? Let's stop the negative criticism, down thing, backbiting, complaining, whinging, whining. We were too good at it. Let's reverse that curse and begin to speak hope and life and freedom. You know, I really believe... I, I, Gordon and I stay in quite a lot of hotels and things. I just love interacting with all the girls and people who serve you. At the same. I've given away so many of those little yellow stepping stones to life. And I went back up to Lincoln. And I'd stayed at um, a place there. Big, what's that? Pretty? I always call it Demons, but it isn't. Damons. Damons on the sort of circle of, of Lincolns. And we often get put there when we're doing the big one event at the um, showground. And so I've met different people, and I gave one of these girls and prayed with her because she's going through a hard time in her family. Gave her the book. Last year I went there. She came and was running the family. She said, I read that book. It's changed my world. I've started going to a live. They don't even know really who I am yet, but God knows, and I'm on my way in. And I said, well, don't just walk around the edges. Jump right in. She said, I keep thinking about it. I said, well, I'm going to get you a friend, and she's going to push you. <laughs> And she did. She came in the Sunday evening and gave her life to God. Come on. This is England. I'm not talking Africa. Right in England, we are seeing people get saved. Come on. We're going to reverse the curse. We can speak to the answer. We carry the answer. Jesus is the hope for this nation. So we carry powerful words. Do you realize we carry powerful words? You see, every time we speak, there's... Resonant. My background is I'm a clinical biochemist. I am a scientist. So I'm going to unashamedly have a little bit of science for a moment. You see, in sound, there is a resonance. And that sound is creative power. We know that from the Bible. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was? And the word was God. And God said, let there be children. And there were gorgeous children. John, Genesis chapter 1 verse 3. And God said, let there be. And there. Colossians 1.17. And he himself existed and is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is the controlling, cohesive force of the universe. And he is the. Word. Some Colossians 1 17, some says, and he upholds all things by his word. So here you are. In the beginning it was the word. God says, let there be, and there was. And he is still controlling, upholding all things by his word. Jeremiah 1 12. And the Lord said to me, You have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Come on. He's watching you. There's words here. Come on the bay. Come on northeast of England. I'm sure Smith Wigglesworth left a lot of seed in this ground ready to be agitated. There is word here. Agitated. He's watching to make sure this word is fulfilled. 1 Samuel 3, 1. And now the boy Samuel was attending to the service of the Lord under the supervision of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare and precious in that, those days. Visions, that is, new revelations of divine truth, were not widespread. 
by verse 19, everything had shifted. So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let not one of his words fall to the ground. So what had happened? Well, if we go to Isaiah 55, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, making it blood and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Gordon's picture, sperma, the word, seed and growing. 11, so is my word that goes from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. It will accomplish what I desire. It does achieve for the purpose for which I sent it. Word. Sound. I could put maybe one more in there in Proverbs 18, 19. For the tongue has the power of life and death. So which way are we going to use our creative power of words? In the beginning was the word, let there be word. I'm watching over my word. I'm looking for partners. Samuel became a partner of God because, you see, when Samuel and God began to speak, there was no word, no revelation. God then began to speak through Samuel. Every time Samuel spoke, not a single word fell to the ground because God and Samuel were in perfect unity. And God's word had become Samuel's word, and Samuel's word had become God's word, because the power is not in the mouth, it is in the word. And so not one of Samuel's word fell, because every word of Samuel had become God's. Because only God's word never fails. Do, do you see what I'm saying? I've read you loads of scripture. God's word never fails. God's word is watched over. God's word always accomplishes. So if a man's word never fails, it's because the man's mouth and God's mouth have become one mouth. Come on. How many of you want that? God, let my mouth become your, let my word become your word. Because God's word in my mouth has the same power as God's word in God's mouth. Because the power is not in the mouth. The power is in the. Whoa, come on. Now do you understand why God's after our mouths? Come on, pray to me, talk to me, let me talk to you. Now speak and shift a nation. That's what Gordon was talking about. So we need to create sound waves. We need to create sound waves. And I'm just going to finish with these thoughts. Can you, do you understand where I'm going with this? Do you understand how we can begin to literally craft our nation and re-change and establish something? My mouth, God's mouth, one mouth, his word, creative force, wow. So here's the science lesson. Atoms, remember atoms. An atom is made up supposedly of three particles. What were they? Electrons? Neutrons, protons. If you go into the neutron, which is the little nucleus at the, the middle, there was meant to be protons. Well, that's Gordon's eyes. <laughs> you go to do your drops, you could do it. He had eye surgery, so he has to do these drops all the time. So the only way to remember is set the alarm. <laughs> And so we used to think in the nucleus it's protons. But now they've looked more and more 
And they've come that actually particles are much smaller than that. And the smallest particle, but it's not really a particle, is now a quark. Say quark. Not a quack, it's a quark. Quark. And a quark, when you look at it, it's not like an electron, proton, or neutron. It is actually a resonance of sound. It's, it is a sound resonance that is within a specific zone. So it's like a particle, but it doesn't have matter to it. It's sound. In the beginning was the... In the beginning was the... Let there be hippopotamus. And there were sounds, quark, resonance, that perfectly released to be the resonance within a particle that made a neutron, that made an atom, that made the hippo. So in the essence of everything, scientifically now, is a resonance. It's well documented. Now do you understand why your word is so important? Sound is so important. Now, in that quark are two things. It's the frequency, but it's also the amplitude. The amplitude is the volume. There are times when God is saying, speak, trumpet. It's no good being quiet because we need the amplitude. We need the volume. Do you get what I mean? That's what makes sound. That's why what Gordon was saying, there are times to decree, let it be. No. There's an amplitude in that quark, as well as a vibrant. So we have to say exactly the right word in exactly the right way. Oh, but I'm very quiet. I don't like shouting. It's not my character. I promise you there is a tiger in everybody's tank. As long as you press the right button. How many of you know that's true? How many can truly say here, I have never, ever shouted? Good. It makes me feel better. So I'm going to finish with these three thoughts. Word. Quark. Next slide, please. In the natural, if I were, and unfortunately I'm definitely not, an operatic singer and we line glasses up, if I had the perfect pitch, resonant, at the perfect sound, I could sing and glasses would shatter. We know that in the natural, isn't that true? Can you now think of it in the spiritual? What happened in Jericho? It was sound warfare. When the army of God got together and made the right sound in the right way for their city, the Jericho hour, and they lifted up their voice... God had to give them seven days. Shut up, stop it, silent. You've moaned and groaned the whole way for 40 years. I have to rewire you to say the right thing. Seven days, stop it. On the seventh day, shout! And they made the right sound with the right volume. And all that demonic stronghold came down. As in the natural, so in the? Do you realize the incredible gift of your mouth? Incredible gift that God has given us to speak. Do you realize why it's such a battle that we feel? Shut up, who are you? Don't talk. How many of you felt that battle? Next picture. Marching army. And if you get an army marching, Gordon, 
in perfect unison over a bridge, what happens? The bridge collapses. Why? Because of the resonance from the vibrating rhythm. If we get unity, one heart, one soul, one mind, one place, walking in perfect step for the sake of a nation, who knows what can shift and break? Come on. If we begin to come together as a city and really move those feet, that's why God is creating an army. If you want to see a spectacular bridge come down just because of the resonance, if you look at Washington Tacoma Bridge collapse on Google, it will show you. <laughs> and this bridge just begins to resonate. And the whole bridge becomes like jelly and just falls into the gorge. Fortunately, no one's killed, but it just shows you the path. As in the natural, so in the... And finally, this one. What's that? Ultra, ultra sound. Ultra sound. Ultrasound heals kidney stones, gallbladder stones. I mean, we know that's true. And you see, what they do is they analyze the stone for blockage. They then take the perfect resonance with the perfect amplitude, and they target that sound on the stone. What happens to the stone? It shatters. Oh. Next slide, please. What are we called to do? Sender. Next slide, please. And he sent forth his word and healed them and rescued them from the grave. Isn't that amazing? Do you realize that when we begin to pray and say, God, let me carry an anointing of healing. And he gives us a revelation and we walk in and we say, right now in Jesus' name, I send a word. It's not a good idea. It's not, oh, dear Jesus, if you're there, Jesus, it'd be really nice, Jesus. Perhaps, Jesus, it could be. But we send a word of the right resonance, amplitude, boom, heals all our diseases. Amen. So why don't you just stand with me for a second? Just breathe in Jesus. How many just said, I just can fear the presence of God here, just wanting to go. <sighs> just say, Father, I thank you. The hand of the Lord is on me. And I believe your word will go through me. In Jesus' name. Amen. And just put your hand on one person near you and pray the same from them. Say, the hand of the Lord is on you. And I'm going to pray that his word goes through you.